Good morning. Thank you for joining me for Genesis chapter 8. God remembered Noah, all the animals and all the livestock that were with him in the ship. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. The waters subsided. The deep's fountains and the sky's windows were also stopped and the rain from the sky was restrained. The waters continually receded from the earth. After the end of 150 days, the waters decreased. The ship rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month on Ararat's mountains. The waters receded continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were visible. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ship which he had made and he sent out a raven. It went back and forth until the waters were dried up from the earth. He himself sent out a dove to see if the waters were abated from the surface of the ground. But the dove found no place to rest her foot and she returned into the ship to him for the waters were on the surface of the whole earth. He put out his hand and took her and brought her to him into the ship. He waited yet another seven days and again he sent the dove out of the ship. The dove came back to him at evening and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So no one knew that the waters were abated from the earth. He waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, and she didn't return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. Noah removed the covering of the ship and looked. He saw that the surface of the ground was dried. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ship, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, including birds, livestock, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Noah went out with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, whatever moves on the earth, after their families went out of the ship. Noah built an altar to Yahweh and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Yahweh smelled the pleasant aroma. Yahweh said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, because the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again strike every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night will not cease. Fascinating story, Noah's Ark. And um, is the Ark still there? That's, a, that's something that everyone asks when they read this chapter, because that'd be pretty good proof for, Bible, for the Bible and for Christianity. Well, we've made a video about that. And if you go on our Peace YouTube channel, you can find a Toby talk that we have um, called, uh, Where is Noah's Ark? And that, that will answer a lot of very interesting questions about that. 
One of the things that, that I've noticed about the Lord is that he likes to remove physical items so that the items themselves are not worshipped. And a really good example of this is the Ark of the Covenant that was found in the temple. That Ark of the Covenant was taken away. No one knows where. The book of Jeremiah chapter 3 says that it would no longer be remembered. Well, we remember that there was an Ark, but no one has any clue where it's gone. And that information is lost. It's never going to be recovered. And that's an example of, of a physical symbol that, that represented the presence of God. But in the end, the Lord was wanting to him, for himself to be worshipped, but not a physical object. And so right through all of history, wherever there's been a physical object of great sim, of symbol or great importance, we don't seem to have them anymore. Um, otherwise, they would become items of pilgrimage. And uh, so there's no ark. And... Um, there's no Ark of the Covenant. There's no cross. But we do, a lot of Christians do enjoy going to visit, you know, Jerusalem and seeing where the Lord was born in Bethlehem and seeing where King David, you know, David killed Goliath. We, a lot of Christians like to go and visit these places, but there's, there's nothing physical we can worship. And I think that's actually a part of God's plan. However, what if the Ark was found? You know, what if... At some point, you know, under all the snow on that Mount Ararat, there was discovered the boat. You know, would that necessarily change the hearts of all people everywhere? I don't think it would, because I think the human heart is such that the heart that believes does believe because it trusts the Lord. But there are people who don't want to believe, and even though they have evidence, they won't believe. And Thomas is one of these people, you know, doubting Thomas. Because some people say, oh, he doubted because he didn't see. But no, the problem with Thomas was that he didn't believe others who had seen. Thomas, you know, he had the women and all the other apostles that had seen Jesus. And they were saying to him, the Lord is alive. The Lord is risen. And he said, I will not believe unless I see the Lord for myself. And we've got, what we've got here is we've got the Bible and we've got the witness of people that knew the events. And, and so we trust the Lord because we, we know that these people walked with the Lord. They saw Jesus. You know, we've got reason for trust. And it's the same here with the story of Noah's Ark. We don't need the physical evidence to believe because we've got the evidence. We've got people who were there themselves. And, um, but there are people who say, I will not believe unless I see evidence. But then I think because of the hardness of their hearts, even the seeing of the evidence would not cause them to believe. And in the New Testament, there's a story of Lazarus who goes to hell. And Lazarus is, uh, not Lazarus, the, there's a rich man that went to hell and Lazarus was a poor man. And the rich man wants Lazarus to basically help him. And in that story, he, the rich man just wanted someone to come back from the dead to tell his brothers but Jesus said that even if someone was to rise from the dead, they would not believe. And that's what we've got. We've got the story. We've got the fact that Jesus did rise from the dead, but it's still not convincing to people, even though it's very historically verifiable. And so I just think that the Lord in his great wisdom realizes that the ark itself wouldn't convince anyone who wasn't already going to believe. Um, but we have... Remove, he's removed from the earth 
the potential of an object that could be worshipped. And I just think the Lord is so wise in all these things. And it's just another reason to marvel at the incredible intelligence of God. Now, at the end of this chapter, um, something very interesting happens. Is uh, God makes a promise never again to destroy every living creature. And he says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be summer and winter and seasons. In the very next chapter, which we'll talk about tomorrow, God promises never again to flood the earth. And I think that's so ironic because right now we, we're, we're in a period of time where people are discussing climate change. They're discussing that the seawaters are going to rise, that people living in low areas are going to get flooded. And while I'm no expert on climate change, I, I think it's so fascinating that people don't believe a story in the Bible where the earth was flooded, but they do believe a story about a future flooding of the earth, even though it may not flood everywhere. And, um, but there's a promise from the Lord saying that never again will the earth be flooded. So I find all of these things to be very, very interesting. In this story of Noah, of course, the Lord judged and the Lord destroyed every living creature on the face of the earth except for Noah and the seven people with him. And I think the implications of this are that the Lord is the judge. The Lord is the judge of every human being and how we live uh, is important and we have to give an account. And so I think the thing that we can learn today from this chapter is to say, we need to live as Noah lived. We need to live righteously, mindful that the Lord is the judge of all living people. And those people in Noah's day were evil and wicked and they were judged early. But in, in reality, all people are judged, even though some are not judged early. And so we cause our hearts to be humbled before him. We allow the fear of the Lord into our hearts to say, we're going to live before the Lord as Noah did, a righteous person in our own generation. And we trust the Lord, not like Thomas, by believing those who were there and um, putting our faith in the things that the Lord says because we know there's power in them to save us. So Lord, we thank you for Genesis. We thank you for this chapter 8. We thank you for the hand of God that, that brought the scriptures to us. We thank you for all we can learn from it. And I just pray that you would give to us the fear of the Lord so that we might walk righteously with Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.